You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now here's Pastor Clay. Hey friends, Pastor Clay here. This week in worship, our United Women in Faith unit held their annual Sunday featuring music from Margaret Schultz and preaching from Pastor Jean Layton. Pastor Jean is ordained through the United Church of Christ and currently serves as the interim pastor at the United Methodist Church in Hayward, Iowa. She maintains her membership in Canton. The voice you'll hear reading scripture is that of Patty Walner. I appreciate our United Women in Faith's willingness to step into leading worship and their impact on our church and on our world. And now let us give our attention to God's Word and to Pastor Dean's message. Scripture reading today is from Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, 18 through 26. Jesus calls Matthew. Jesus left that place and as he walked along, he saw a tax collector named Matthew sitting in his office. He said to him, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having a meal in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and other outcasts came and joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. Some Pharisees saw this and asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such people? Jesus heard them and answered, People who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick. Go and find out what is meant by this scripture that says, It is kindness that I want, not animal sacrifices. I have not come to call respectable people, but outcasts. While Jesus was saying this, a Jewish official came to him and knelt down before him and said, My daughter has just died but come and place your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus got up and followed him, and his disciples went along with him. A woman who had suffered from severe bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will get well. Jesus turned around and saw her and said, Courage, my daughter, your faith has made you well. At that very moment, the woman became well. Jesus, then Jesus went into the official's house. When he saw the musicians for the funeral and the people all stirred up, he said, get out, everybody. This little girl is not dead. She is only sleeping. Then they all started making fun of him. But as soon as the people had been put out, Jesus went into the girl's room, took hold of her hand, and she got up. The news about this spread all over that part of the country. Charlotte grabbed the phone and looked at the clock at the same time. It was three in the morning, and you know that, what that does to your stomach. Well, she picked up the phone, and the voice on the other end was one she didn't recognize. And she said, uh, hello, and that voice said, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so very, very sorry. I wish I had good news for you, but I'm just so sorry. The car was totaled. We could barely even see anything inside. Your daughter is gone. You can imagine how she felt, but she woke her husband, and they began planning 
They would fly out in the morning as soon as they could get a plane, and that's what they did. Weeks later, Charlene came home with the kids. Emily, Jackson, and Christopher. Their father had not been in the picture at all. She suspected he was in prison. So now, these young children who had lived in San Diego their entire lives had just gotten home to Kansas, to a farm. They were very sullen. She didn't know what she was going to do. As they drove from the airport, she kept saying, now there's a corn crop, there's a barn where they have cattle, there's this, there's that, all the way to the farm, and no response whatsoever. So they got out of the car and walked up to the house, and there stood Bob waiting for them. He didn't know these kids very well because he'd had a falling out with his daughter, and they hadn't spoken much in the last however many years. But he greeted the kids, and the kids just looked at him and started to sob. And finally, up came dog Toby next to Bob. And little Christopher walked up and put his hand in Bob's and said, Is that our dog? Can I pet our dog? And Charlotte knew there was hope. There was hope that somehow they could make the transition from their city life to living on this farm. But she knew it would not be easy, and she prayed constantly for help. Who helps you? Who's on your side when you have a problem or an issue? Who do you go to? Well, maybe you pray. Maybe you pray right at that moment. And when you pray, do you pray for what you want? Do you pray for what you need? Do you pray for God's grace, God's love? Do you give faith to that prayer so that whatever happens you know is God's will? Maybe. But I suspect most of us pray for what we want to happen. And that might be a good thing, but it might also be something that God doesn't intend. And so you're left kind of feeling, well, did God really hear my prayer? Did God do what I wanted? No, he didn't. However, God might have done what I needed. We all fear certain things in our lives, maybe not so much, but, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't like heights very much, okay? Paint the buildings, you hire somebody. Because I'm not getting on that ladder that high. Do you fear anything? Of course you do. We all do. It's just human nature. But that fear is part of why we pray as well. That fear of the unknown. One day, each of us faces death. It might come slowly, 
so we know what's happening. It might come quickly, and we don't have any idea. And so the prayers that we've been praying, the faith that we've been using, is there for us to help, whatever that moment might be. But you know what? If you don't use that faith, it probably isn't going to help you as much. In Charlotte's case, she had the, the ability to kind of hope and have faith based on what was happening. She could take that and pull it into her heart and say, okay, it's not going to be easy, but we'll make it work. Can you do that? Can you always know that somehow it will work out? I don't know. Each of us has an individual faith, and that's so important. I have said many times that I think there are more politics in church than there are in the state legislature. You know, we argue about dumb things sometimes, and I do remember um, years ago when I was serving a church, they decided that they were going to build on to the church, and, you know, there was discussion about that, and, you know, some people weren't in favor because of the money involved, and Eventually, everybody thought it was a great idea because they figured out how to raise the money. But you know what they argued about? Whether to put the picture of Jesus at the front of the church or in the back in the new building. That started more arguments than I have ever seen in a church. The politics of who has control, who gets to say got very real, but it did not have an impact on my faith or on their faith, I hope. Because we can separate the politics and the workings of the church. We can separate some of that from our individual faith. And that's what we need to do. We are, in fact, a part of that baker's dozen. I'm not sure if you know this, most of you probably do, but a baker's dozen is 13. Do you want to know why? Long ago in medieval times, when you were baking and you were either selling it or giving it, weight was a determining factor in how much bread you had made. It wasn't the number of loaves necessarily. It wasn't you know, the size of the loaves, but the weight of the bread was the determining factor. And so they did a 13th loaf just to be sure there'd be enough weight in that basket. Because if they didn't, they could be in big trouble. In fact, there were bakers who had a hand cut off by the officials because they didn't meet the weight requirement. Of course, that was long ago, folks. We don't need to worry too much about our hands. But we do know that one little extra, one little extra can make all the difference. And that's you. There are 13 disciples. Okay, maybe the Bible doesn't say that. There are 13 disciples. You are part of that last one. Yes, we know there were 12, and yes, we can count them. But there's one more, and that's you. 
and you and you and you. Everybody here is disciple number 13. You know, Jesus asked the disciples to go forth and spread the word. Let people know that they could be saved by believing. Help them to understand what it was all about. He didn't say, okay, now, disciples, I'm leaving this earth, and so the Holy Spirit will come, and you don't have anything more to do. You could just go home and be with your family. He didn't say that. Did he? I don't remember reading that in the Bible. No. He said, go forth to the people, help them understand. A young couple was traveling during the winter. They thought about it, and they probably shouldn't have gone. But, you know, they wanted to get home. Special time of year, they wanted to get home. And they were getting very, very close when it started to snow, just really hard. Before long, their car was kind of covered, and they couldn't really see the road. And they knew they were close to the driveway. But they couldn't find it. And all of a sudden, they started to skid. Never happened to any of you, right? You've always been very safe in when you drove. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, they started to skid, and before long, they were into a snowbank. They tried really hard, you know, by gunning it and pushing on it, whatever else, to try to get the car out, and it just wasn't going to happen. Meanwhile, the snow was falling and falling and falling. And pretty soon you could barely see the car. Well, you, you and I know that in that situation, you're supposed to stay in the car, right? Not go anywhere. But they didn't because they were pretty sure before long no one would find them. They would be completely covered in snow. And so they decided they would get out, find the driveway, and head home. As they opened the doors, a great big white dog came and started licking their hands. And they thought, okay, we know that this dog will lead us to the house. And so they followed the dog, kind of by leaps and bounds. They had to be kind of quick about it. But they followed the dog because they knew that dog would lead them to the driveway so they would be home. And they followed the dog to the front porch, and they were safe. Not necessarily advisable, but they were safe. Later that night, when they were talking with parents about what had happened, um, they expressed how much they liked that big white dog. Where is that dog? Shouldn't that dog come in the house? Because it's snowing outside. And the parents said, we don't have a white dog. I don't think there's a white dog anywhere in this area. In fact, I know there's not a white dog probably anywhere in the county. I mean, we only have dogs to help on the farm. There's no white dog. And they knew. They knew in an instant that God had sent that dog. Not that it was a... That in fact, a dog, but God had sent that dog so that they could make it home safely. And their prayers were answered in that way. 
I don't know how to express it even more, but you are God's instrument. You're like that white dog in someone else's life. You might have the right thing to say, or you might just be there. You might pray with them, or you might just sit with them. Whatever it is, you are that 13th disciple. You are a part of that baker's dozen. And if you ever have an experience like Charlotte did in bringing her grandchildren to live with her, if you ever have to deal with the loss of someone that close to you, you will know you will know that God sends help in many different kinds of forms. You just have to keep asking and asking and asking. Prayer is not a one-time thing. Just like your going out into the world and helping other people is not a one-time thing. It is your gift from God to be that 13th disciple just like a baker's dozen of bread. It didn't end with the 12. Got to get my fingers up and out there. It didn't end with the 12. And it doesn't end with you. But you're there for someone when that person needs it. So when we pray and we pray for God's will, we don't know what that might be. But I pray for each and every one of you that you will know God's love, God's care, and you will be ready to be disciple number 13. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.